0: from Nor to Nothing, ontological oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a graduate student in education, and with me is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. When I say the word swastika, what comes to mind? Most likely, connotations of evil related to Nazi Germany. But this interpretation can vary by geographical location, time, and culture. German citizens in the late 30s and early 40s saw the same swastika and didn't equate it with evil at all. And for Hindus, the swastika represents good luck and prosperity and is a staple in marriage ceremonies. The fact is, the swastika is over 12,000 years old and has accrued different meanings for different people over time. This volatility and power perfectly encapsulates our topic today, symbolism. So, you know, when we think about symbols, we don't necessarily think about um, power, but when writing the intro for this episode, I really balked at the idea of using the swastika. Hmm. And so that very hesitation tells you that symbols do have.
1: Oh, they, they they, yeah, they, they do. And you're right. Most people don't, well, I won't say most people that would be overgeneralizing. I, I think that the first thought is not necessarily that a symbol is powerful because people are just used to symbols. I and mean, if you think of something like um, a, a cross uh, many people have a pendant with a cross on it. And one could automatically assume that that person was a Christian. And I've encountered many students who you know, you, you admire the pendant, or you talk, and, and no, it's just pretty, or it, it just uh, looked cool, or whatever it is. And so I think that we are, as you used the word in our pre-show talking today, oversaturated or super-saturated mm-hmm. uh, with symbols so much that, um, like all things, they, they might diminish in power. Unless you're really thinking about why you have that symbol associated with yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know… Uh, I think that is something that people, you know, the swastika is a really good example because there was such a wide swing in its meaning. Because up until, you know, Nazi Germany, even in in America, the symbol would have been a sign for good luck or prosperity. You know, it's kind of a, it's sort of a rabbit's foot kind of thing. Um, And so, you know, all it took was one um, totalitarian regime to completely changed the meaning of it not for everybody everywhere um, well, but, but for a large way. part of yeah. the western world yeah. for you know probably well, forever you know indelibly uh, I,
1: and so the power that was forming that chose that symbol as its representation thereby um yeah forever altered that symbol for for most people so symbols do have the intent potential of being world changing right so we've talked about symbols so far like we know what they are
0: um so now we're going to get into a bit of the nitty-gritty and in in defining
1: what a symbol actually is so what Mm -hmm. what is a symbol I always go with the second, almost always go with the secondary definition for most everything. <laughs> because for me, the, the symbol is a tangible representation of a physical, uh, alphabetical, or uh, in some way uh, artistically, visually rendered uh, representation of an abstract concept. And of course, as soon as you get into the abstract, mm-hmm. so. Well, think about oh uh, the sign for infinity. just mm. because we have that loop or not, you know the double loop. you can look at that and well, somebody assigned it that meaning. somebody, but then it resonated. If it hadn't, if it if it just was a workaday tool, it would have perhaps been known in smaller communities. but somehow it resonated. It touched with something. People grew the the, the power of it, uh, and that's just a, a relatively benign, yeah, symbol.
0: Yeah, and this is the kind of thing we'll get into um, a little bit later when we get to our formative our formative section. Um, so, what I had down without looking at the dictionary, me just trying to come up with a definition off the top of my head, I, I said a symbol is a deliberate. A sensory message that conveys information or representation. Oh, nice. And so where that gets us, um, in the academic world is all of a sudden you're looking at, um, all right. So symbols, you know, um, presenting info or representing things, mm-hmm. you can kind of split it then. And so, um, the real question, philosophically, becomes: What is the difference
1: between a sign and a symbol? So, well, if we signs not as in signs, importance and, and 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 those kind of things, but sign as in um, Sarah's grocery store or, or Eric's bakery or whatever it is, um, or. Or think about Western, the the old West kind of thing, where you'd you'd see a horseshoe, you know, and that meant you were going to a blacksmith's place or an anvil or something. So it's it's again, it's a rather workaday kind of thing. A sign is here's what you can get at this place, or or this is what one the one thing that this means a symbol is usually resonant um, and layered with many uh, meanings or potential meanings or associations or or clusters uh, So a sign would be I, I don't want to use, I'm not using the word shallow in a negative sense but a sign is a sort of surface level a symbol is uh, the deeper fathoms
0: right and so there's a whole um, there's a whole field that studies this called semiotics. Mm-hmm. And um, signs tend to be equated with nature and symbols are more cultural. So your definition is right. It's almost as if signs are, like you said, a singular objective message, whereas symbols are more subjective and layered um,
1: object that's more... Um, prone to interpretation, and right. both of them though, are, and, and this is where yes, semiotics and, and crosses over both with linguistics and and philosophy, and it's I've been fascinated with it for a lifetime. Both of them are artificial, mm. in the sense that with a sign, when you study semiotics and you and you 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 come to realize you you, you become alien to the very things that you've taken for granted for Like okay, so. Fe stands for iron. Mm. Why? Well, okay, and you start asking why. You say, well, but what else could it? Or, or um, mama, uh, the word that's a sign indicating the parent. Well, why that word? That sound? That's almost a universal sound. But, but yet we've assigned. Or the, go go back to the any of the stories, the Eden type stories across cultures where somebody starts doing the naming. Ah, this is this. And therefore, a horse, elephant. Well, it didn't you know, linguistically happen quite that way, but, but it's all artificial. Mm. So now we're getting into the really interesting stuff. And this might be
0: real early in the episode to get into the <laughs> formative part, but I'm going to because I think we're going to spend a lot of time on the speculative part on the back end. So we'll jump right into the formative one. So I'm going to ask... Um, the first question, which is, is any type of communication symbolism
1: or symbolic? Um, yes. Uh, first, because uh, just to back up a moment, because in in some levels of uh, in, in some po- pockets of, of of semiotics or linguistics. A sign and a symbol are pretty much interchangeable. Okay. So on that level, every everything is yes <laughs> to, to that. Um, so ask me again. So is any type of communication symbolic or symbolism? Yes. Because think about what I just I just said yes. And that sounds sure, mm-hmm. but yes to what well I'm answering a question that itself is very uh laden with abstract possibilities, so just because I say yes doesn't mean that you know what I mean by yes, and mm-hmm. we assume, we know each other a lot and so you you probably do, but we make that assumption I mean any word is is uh, rife with with interpretation. We Many times in class talking about this, right? So take the word like war mm. or hate or love. Well, we all know what that means. Ah, but do we know it means the same thing? When I use the word love and you use the word love, do we know what you're saying? How do we know we're doing the same thing? It's very epistemological. I might not be thinking about the same thing that you are. Even tree. Say the word tree. This takes us back to you know, ancient philosophy, right? The, the platonic ideal of tree. So we might all know what we mean when we say tree. But in fact, we're not thinking of the same tree quite probably.
0: Yeah, and this actually just happened to me, me and uh, Amanda. We were driving the other day looking at trees because it's the time of year where they're mm-hmm. very nice to look at in our part of the world. And there's these plants. And it's hard they're they're kind of between a tree and a bush and i don't know what they are but they turn a bright red color and that right there kind of demonstrates your your issue right well i don't know if the word tree or bush applies so i'm not really sure what symbol to use to represent this thing but the mm-hmm. the point is is that in trying to communicate hey i like the way this thing looks mm-hmm. to my wife i'm trying to convey Abstract information through um, a particular sort of um, cipher. Yes, and uh, yes, and it's a it's a uh, completely imprecise thing.
1: It, it, I had a conversation with my uh, daughter uh, a few days ago because we were talking about the stars and constellations, and and I know very little. I've, I've, I've informal amateurist. Astronomy and I, and, but you know, there's Saturn, there's Jupiter, here's Cassiopeia, and uh, but and and her point to me was over the years when she was young and everything, I was try, uh, trying to stoke that interest, and she said, "I love the stars." I, I she said, and "I'm paraphrasing, but I love looking up at stars. It's beautiful. I don't need to have a pattern for them in order to appreciate their beauty." But for those of us who look for who ha- those handholds of, of on the wall climbing kind of thing of, oh, but I need to have a name in order to somehow, it's almost uh, territorial. It's almost imperialistic. Mm. I will name it and thus it's under control. <laughs> right. <laughs> when it's really not.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I think that a similar thing happens with everybody. I mean, you know, you could say the same thing about the ocean. Somebody say, oh, I... I like looking at the ocean. Well, why do they all like looking at the ocean? Some people might like the color. Some people might like the shapes of the waves. Some people might like the fish that they can see underneath the water. So, there's a there's an entirely different thought process. There's an abstract and conceptual chasm between these people, but mm-hmm. the words that they use to express it are the same. Think of the
1: universal signs that we keep that are appearing much more often across cultures now. For uh, don't don't walk across, as a child walking across the road. Or um, Amish buggies, uh, next seven miles, I saw that uh, going to Pike today, mm-hmm. that little town. And, and we look at it, and we interpret it, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've encountered the universal sign, and for a moment I'm not quite sure what it's representing. So I guess it's not quite so universal, in in the in the sense that I haven't encountered it enough. Right. I remember seeing a, it was a funny meme that I saw the other
0: day. It was a it was a sign at a park, and um, on the sign there was um, various objects. So there was a dog and a skateboard and a cigarette and a alcoholic beverage. Hmm. All, you know, in the normal kind of cartoonish yeah. drawing with a red X through them. Yeah. And. Um, but the way that the sign was written it looked like the dog was riding the skateboard smoking the cigarette and drinking the beer and on the sign said I don't know who this dog is but he looks like a lot of fun you know so there you had a symbol what the, what it was trying to say is hey you none of these things are allowed here yes um but because of the way it was written you can look at the sign and say oh hey no really cool dogs that have a lot of bad habits
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it I got to look that one up that, but that that is absolutely indicative of of this, this marvelously interesting process of trying to pin things down uh, simply, visually, and really just opening it up to it, which I think is wonderful. We always do. You and I go out about this all the time. It's, oh, yeah, let's open it up. Let's question, was that dog really intended? <laughs> um, yeah, and so
0: – and. So far, you know, we've talked about a lot of language. Um, the question mm-hmm. I asked was, is any type of communication symbolism? Well, and that adds a whole different layer because oh, like you said, when you started, you said, okay, I responded with yes. Now we can assume that I'm just taking your answer yeah. on ling, you know, linguistic value. Okay, yes. So he's agreeing with the assessment that I made. But then you add body language or timing or all these other layers onto it. You know, if you're rubbing your eyes, oh, yes. <laughs> then I know. Oh, he's agreeing with me, but it's ominous. There's something wrong with this agreement. You know, this—it's a foreboding almost. You know? but, and that's just one example. You could add any number of. Let's approach it from the opposite. Can you think of anything that doesn't involve? So communication that doesn't involve symbolism or signs or signs um it's hard you know it's almost um i was about to you know no i don't think so because you know i was the, the one i was trying to boil it down to is maybe morse code Oh, but but if, on paper, it's code. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, you're using it to,
1: you know, there's no real, um, because they're, 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 they're agreed upon meanings for, did, 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 did. yeah, yeah, Where, exactly. But did you learn Morse code when you were in, no in the military? I no. wonder if they taught that or not. Thought, no. okay, but yeah, that's code, right? Yeah, you've yeah. answered it, so I can't know the genetic anything. code. We're learning to read, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and, and we've assigned letters and 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 alphanumeric meanings i i don't think so yeah there's no t's or a's
0: in your dna you know (laughs) these are just they're just symbols for to represent you know specific things yeah yeah. so yeah so all right so all all type of communication is symbolism so you can probably guess where i'm going to go with that for our next formative question (laughs) which is um is symbolism unique to humans And I, I think the important part to take into account here when thinking about it is, I guess we'll we'll have to bring the semiotics into it and say, all right, well, let's look yeah. at signs and symbols separately. Because if we just say symbols as one category, it's yeah. probably pretty clear animals use them. Yeah. So yeah. signs and symbols, if we separate the two, animals use signs. We're pretty sure of that. Do they yeah.
1: use symbols? Um. Do they? Well, they, some kinds of animals. We're so new at this. We haven't done much with this yet, even though extraordinary people have been investigating bonobos, apes, champs, but uh, dolphins, whales. We we still don't have a a complete clue. But but the the scientists who work hardest on this uh, suggest that the sounds that whales make seem to have Meaning, so if those sounds are signs, they only mean essentially one thing. That's really the, the, the if you really want to pin it down, a sign has a very located uh, anchoring meaning. Hmm. A symbol has anchoring anchored meanings. I think I just want to keep running with that. So, to, so they have signs, but but yet some uh, apes using that broadly. Um, recognize, can be taught to recognize uh, a symbol and probably are using it as a sign associating it with one thing, but we don't know. Mm. How do we know? Because we don't have the communicator.
0: Yeah. There was a really famous case and I can't remember the ape's name. I want to say it might have been Coco. was Coco. There was also yeah. Washo. But So would you know, it was taught to use sign language, it had a special keyboard that it could type mm-hmm. on with symbols, you know. Yeah. But there was really great debate about whether it was actually, um, you know, using that abstract knowledge or whether it was conditioned response. Yeah. That's, the, that's that dividing line between signage and symbolism, you know, is he using these cues to achieve one thing, whether it's food or water mm-hmm. or companionship. Or is he understanding what that sign means and the interpretive value between it to communicate with? Here we go somebody? out of the bay into
1: the deep ocean because right. well, yes,
0: because. So I'm going to suggest that there might be another layer to it, right? So you have signs and symbols, and we've, mm-hmm. we've delineated those categories. So, all right, a sign has a pretty um, objective, straightforward yeah. value. Symbols are more interpretive. What? How, you know, natural elements or elements originating from the cognition of the animal probably add a different out layer to it. The example I'll use is I was just reading about whales hmm. and um, what some whales will do. And this is common birds, too, is they have their own calls. So hmm. that's the way they communicate. And some whales, if they hear um, calls from a different whale. And they think that that... in mating. So, okay, this whale's sending out a mating call. He's not having much luck. Cool. Here's another whale that's making a mating call. He thinks, that sounds more enticing. He'll copy that whale's call to try to draw in other females. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Birds, similar, right? Birds have their own songs. Um, but there's birds out there that will mimic other birds' like calls. Yeah to, yeah, to accomplish a different mean. Yeah. And even cats themselves. Cats meow not to communicate with other cats. Cats meow to communicate with people, and they think that they're trying to mimic the cry of a baby because they understand that babies get attention if they cry. Do you think any of those three examples are symbolism, or do you think it's an a, sort of an advanced
1: use of um, signs in communication? I think it's an advanced use of signs. As a layperson, just hearing that question for the first time i think it, it's more that although i can't help because it's you and me just poking how do you know that's what the cat thinks <laughs> 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 this, I, I keep going back to my my dog of many years she's been gone for six years now i love that dog strider was her name and my wife and I would all, well, she's standing at the door and looking back and forth with sand eyes Well, Strider says she wants to go out. She said no such thing. <laughs> I just put that word balloon in her. She might be wanting to go out, but I don't know what the reason necessarily is. I might be reading body language and say, ah, okay, probably this. I don't know mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, so I would say for science, yes, uh, there's certainly, uh, there's certainly uh, advantageous use of signage
0: mm-hmm. yeah my parents were talking about this the other day you know there was there was an issue in national geographic a couple of years ago with a border collie on the front and um the article talked about how the border collies could understand different words yes yeah. and the experiments Same. that they devised yep. to to figure that out yep. my parents have a border collie and they were talking about how smart she is and saying you know the thing that's fascinating about it is like if, even if you take the inflection out of your voice Bisbee knows what you're saying. So, if Bisbee's clawing at the door because she wants to go out, if you say, hold on a minute, she'll just sit there and wait until you let her out. Or if you say to Bisbee, go find Soren, she'll run and find my nephew. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and even things like, and this is, this one was actually one of the experiments they did in the National Geographic Study. um, And my parents have replicated it. Hmm. Bisbee has several of the same toys that are different colors. And so, She'll bring a toy to my dad to throw. Mm-hmm. And he'll say, no, not the green one, the purple one. Yeah. And she'll mm-hmm. drop it and go and find the purple one. Right, right. And that's actually kind of how they figured that dogs aren't completely colorblind. They do see some colors is mm-hmm. that they can do this. So now again, is it signs versus symbols? Well, we're running into um, the limits of language and the importance of symbols and even talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. Because yes, we here we are with two concepts and trying to find the distinction between them is more challenging than you'd think, which is why at the beginning of the show, I said, we're talking about symbols like we know what they are. <laughs>
1: you know?
0: And so here we are trying to define them and we're finding ourselves running up against
1: some, some yes, issues. Yes, we do. And, and, and when I said we're sailing out of, out of the bay, into the ocean, you said something, I, I can't quote you exactly about, a few moments ago, but you but you said something, uh indicating that uh, you know with a with a sign, sign everybody knows what it means, but and, and and then you we're talking about behavioral training. Well we are behaviorally trained into taking symbols down a notch into signs as if we know exactly what they stand for. And mm-hmm. this is where we get in all that problematic stuff with with highly charged, Symbols mm. when they mean other things to people than you want them to mean, right? Uh, uh, not you, person, but then you, the, 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 the generic. And so, if, if one wants, if one, and then people start getting upset if they people aren't interpreting their symbols the way they want them to. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's
0: a human um, tendency to to simplify things in order to understand. Mm. And yeah, that leads to a lot of issues when it comes to simplifying communication, you know, communicative devices, and especially when those communicative devices can mean more than one thing. You know, like you said, if you're in an old west, you know, walking through an old west town, you see a sign that's just a pair of eyeglasses. There's not a whole yeah, lot need a of... Yeah, I mean a pair of specs. I'm you know, going to go in. I mean, I guess you could say, oh, this is where I go to get glasses or... This is where I go to watch a movie, or you could assign different meanings to a pair of glasses on a sign. But mm-hmm. some of them are seem more obvious than others. Um, some
1: of them. Um, and what know, do you put it, on the sign for food? What what would the universal sign for food be? Would you put a piece of cake? Would you put an apple? Which put- <laughs> Yeah, what food what food crosses culture? That's that
0: ends up being the question, right? What food do people eat across cultures? And so I guess your best bet would be to study what natural food grows in the widest variety of climates and is consumed by the most people you probably and then but then you're looking at well does that translate Mm -hmm. visually can you put grain on a sign and have people think that it means food you know Uh, probably not
1: you are. we are right now we are in the zone when, when I was teaching technical communication technical writing this is one of the, the most fascinating parts of it that doesn't that people don't ordinarily think they're going to get into technical writing or well, business writing. I've got to be clear. I've got to establish clarity. Yes, but clarity of symbols too. And how? Where do you, how how much of a symbol do you pair with or assign? Do you pair with your text, and how do you keep them separate? And what represents what? And and then across cultures, and it's incredibly complicated. Mm-hmm. People want to. Well, everybody should just learn English. Yeah, and so what? Because even if everybody learns English, which isn't necessarily the best language to learn as a universal language, it's still not cut and dried what everything means. This is where it gets watered down when people think, Mm. well, we're clear, we just know know what this means. Well, maybe. (laughs) But not everywhere in the United States and certainly not everywhere in the rest of the world. So science can become symbols could be com- can become uh, diminished into signs and that they can be further diminished into absolute knowledge and
0: yeah and you know and one example is you know it's it's been you know looked at and they found that we've lost just a huge percentage of words in the english language since the 1950s because people they're falling out usage used, yeah. you know and some people um like to look at that and say, well, the English language is becoming more efficient, (laughs) you know? Mm. And so, but, you know, if you're looking at it symbolically, it's pretty easy to debunk that argument because you think about efficiency and you think, okay, well, let's just look at colors then, right? Mm-hmm. What if you had one word for blue and green and then you saw aquamarine. Well, how would you describe that? To, you know, like yeah. well, is it blue or is it green? Well, the word aquamarine doesn't exist, so you're either stuck with saying it's blue or it's green. You know, you know like how are you going to uh,
1: How it, it, exactly? It's my our, our teacher old, old friend, and she's uh, we've this discussion sometimes about various oil paint colors. And you just they're delicious to say, and they also indicate all kinds of values, uh, shape, visual values. But yeah, they're 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 it's Orwellian. One of the things in 1984 that I found most frightening as an, uh, an English teacher and a, a writing a student of writing is is when they're, they're um, one of the main occupations, well the occupation for the. Uh, Winston Smith is, is that he's, he's going to, uh, he's diminishing the dictionary, Mm. paring down all those unnecessary words. One of the best ways to diminish a culture into ignorance is to remove words and we're doing it at a wild rate. So yeah, so fewer words, so we can just all understand what we mean. No, fewer words. So you can be less certain about what you're saying. So maybe you'll say less. And so you'll just roll over and, and let whatever powers that be govern you it's dangerous (laughs) yeah
0: and i'm sure you've had this experience if i have um and i've had it quite often where i'll say something to somebody and then there will be a word that's three syllables or more in there Mm -hmm. and so they'll say what does that mean and so i try to describe it and they say well why didn't you just say that then i said well because that's the equivalent saying Blue green, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's not aquamarine. As you're saying, blue green. It, it, just because you described this word using other words doesn't yeah. mean you captured the meaning no. of the word.
1: Well, this is see now we now we've moved marvelously into language as uh, collections of signs and symbols, right? And, and, and of course, I've been in that situation more times than I can count with students who say, "Why don't these writers just come right out and say what they mean?" And I'm in the position of saying they do. They are stylistically with subtlety and with care trying to take you to uh, uh, an experience that can be shared. And the, the delicious nature of language itself is they are choosing just the right words to do that. But if you don't know those words or you think you don't have access to them, which, of course, you do, which anybody can go to the dictionary and anybody can read the dictionary. Probably not cover to cover. Most of us don't do that. But it, it's the one of the most fascinating, wonderful experiences you can do is go to a dictionary, open up, look at five new words for that day. And maybe you'll use one and maybe you'll try and people say, why are you using that word? Well, because I like the sound of it. It'll become normalized after a while because you'll hear me saying it over and over. Symbols become normalized, signs more so because they have that individual meaning that we think that they're supposed to have. Mm. So let's ask another formative question,
0: um, which is, are symbols purely cultural? And I think that this kind of goes back to our, yeah, we, our looking at infinity, right? So right. infinity, cross that's a global symbol. For something that is unending, maybe not mm. completely global. There's, there's people that would see right. it and
1: wouldn't understand, but 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 could be. T- here's what we mean with the symbol. See, that's what we, mm. that's a sign. But but then you start to say, well, all, but all the different things that I associate with infinity. But so you're asking, ask it a different way. So let's see. Uh, so the question is: Are symbols purely cultural? Um, mm.
0: I yeah. think well. where that becomes an issue is defining cultural in the modern world because we're a globalized species now Mm -hmm. so we have pockets of culture i guess right our little town has its own pocket of culture for good or bad the state as a whole has a culture the country has a culture and then perhaps even the world that on the parts of the world that use the infinity symbol
1: have some some kind of unifying mm-hmm. culture uh, but they task. started they uh, they all started as every symbol i would argue began with a cultural anchor you you said the swastika at the beginning take it it's uh, the, the worm eating itself now i just said that and there'll be some people listening to us who may n- be familiar with that and some who may not what Or okay, Well, all right. So it's a sign of a snake or a serpent-like creature eating its own tail. Now that stands for many things. It's often used as a metaphor. Its symbols are Mm -hmm. indicative of metaphors, but it emerged from a very specific cultural context, context which would uh, that we are aware of at least, which would be the Greek context. Which is not to say that it didn't exist as a symbol in other places, too. But we may not have been aware of that. But we encountered it first through those roots. Right. So so symbols have cultural
0: anchors. When these symbols are devised, they had a meaning to the people that devised them. Mm -hmm. Now, that meaning can be diffused or reinterpreted by other cultures as it spreads. Mm-hmm. And again, a swastika is a good example of that, because if you think about it, like I said in the intro, the, f- the first examples we can find are 12,000 years old. Yeah. That's almost as old as culture itself, <laughs> as far as humans are concerned. Um, so it's an ancient thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been found in various places. The first one, 12,000 years ago, was found in Ukraine and then there was found in Uganda, and obviously it's a huge thing in India and, mm-hmm. and China, so mm-hmm. it's 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 a global phenomenon. But it happened so long ago that it's almost hard for us to even know what, what it originally came from, because you think about that shape, yeah. you know, and a lot of people like to provide um, uh, like a, a, a Christian interpretation of it, but mm-hmm. this far predates Christianity. that. There's a cross yeah. with the bent arms, yeah. and you know, and then it's funny thinking about because now you're thinking in a purely abstract, conceptual way. Mm-hmm. When you see that symbol, what does it make you think or how does it make you feel? Kind of like when you're talking about the word tree. Mm-hmm. What? Why does that combination of letters seem to give us the information
1: relating to the world as it does? And it's behaviorally trained. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, politically, sociologically, historiographically con- uh, con- contextualized uh, to that m- the moment, perhaps. But well, think of think of signs for the zodiac. It's fun. I mean, people, you know, look, look, if you look at how many different versions there are of something like Pisces, the fish, with usually like two or three. Um, ripply-shaped water patterns and a fish, but they're, the, the water patterns and the fish are remarkably diverse. Mm-hmm. And yet we look at it and say, ah, Pisces. or I think that's Pisces. Well, then we've been trained to associate that, or we learn to associate that with that, but then it becomes a symbol because Pisces represents all kinds of things and they don't all just... Do an equal sign, and there it is. It's just those yeah. things sometimes cross into other signs. Uh, okay, so that's that's the zodiac. But you take uh, uh, signs, uh, ancient Norse. This represents Balder. This represents Thor. Okay, you look at it and you say, "I didn't think of Thor when I saw that." You go to mm-hmm. a Renaissance festival or something, and there's it. The, but you look the sign up and you say, "Ah, okay," because this is a sign for knowledge. Oh, well, I wouldn't have thought knowledge with that either. So the artificiality of it when you encounter a new symbol is really fun because, well, that's not what I thought it was. Okay, I'll think of it that way, but why would it represent that? And then you're creatively engaging with yeah. the symbol. Yeah,
0: and so I think what makes symbols fascinating is that there's the cultural anchor, which is um, a premeditated cognitive Um, application but I think that natural elements slip into symbolism in ways that you might not really Mm -hmm. think about at first Um, you know like and I think you have to ask some pretty deep questions to get there like okay why is a stop sign red you know (laughs) they could have made it any color and Mm -hmm. wrote stop on it and because we have the ability to communicate ling linguistically we would know to stop but they paint them red
1: because the color red is symbolically associated with danger, danger, and, right? And and high attention and <laughs> yeah. So, but,
0: but but somebody said that in the first yes, place, right? But, but that red color isn't um, culturally agreed upon. That's mm-hmm. something that is that red is a it's a it's a primal or you know it's built into the human psyche,
1: you know? Now we're getting into the unconscious, the
0: human the right. kind of so, stuff. Yeah. yeah, so then that question, you know, would lead to, so do you think when they created stop signs, do you think that they understood that when they made it to color red? Or do you think that they, they just made it to color red because they were subconsciously influenced
1: by... The thought of danger or attention. I think probably th- the first that it was red associates with this. I think it's with signs. You're trying to find that which is most universal. You're not necessarily digging into where it came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think it goes that probably deep. probably
0: on something as as widespread as stop signs. I think you're right, but mm-hmm. I think that there might be other symbols where oh, yeah. natural elements so subconsciously leak into it, right? So, now we're, getting, we <laughs> now we're transferring from our, our formative into the speculative, right? So, mm-hmm. um, in talking about the Zodiac, that brings us you know, close to that, what you just mentioned, which is um, psychoanalytic symbolism. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a value to
1: psychoanalytic symbolism? Mm-hmm. Oh, add, I absolutely think there's a value to it, if nothing else, than the conversational value. Uh, the causing one again to ask questions as always and to probe and to to wonder and and so yeah that's that's that if nothing else that would be worthy all
0: right you're forcing my hand so I'm gonna I'm gonna pose it a different (laughs) way what value does psychoanalytic symbolism provide that the zodiac doesn't
1: oh oh Okay, forced your hand, and I think I'm going to <laughs> fold. <laughs> what value does psychoanalytic symbols have? That the, the Zod- well, I, I, arguably, the zodiac arises out of psychoanalytic criticism before it was ever called psychoanalytic criticism. And we want to know. We, want to, we go back to other things like about epistemology. We want to know. We've talked in different podcasts about wanting to be certain. Mm-hmm. Every, anytime you, you create a sign you are uh, asserting a certainty that may well disappear but you're asserting it and when you create a symbol that's also uh sometimes an assertion of certainty past the safe space of the sign
0: yeah so we're so this is (laughs) an important question and this this really demonstrates why talking about symbolism is important right because Mm -hmm there's um you know large swaths of um psychology sociology um these kinds of fields uh-huh. that um still teach you know psychoanalytic things and you know, they don't rely on like they did in the past there's definitely um well, it's, it's an kind added, of far beyond its roots right there's definitely an, an attitude of this is an antiquated um sort of thing but it's still taught there's still aspects of it that are used yeah whereas under absolutely no circumstances would the zodiac be read about in a, a psychology textbook, right? Other
1: than maybe what effects it has on somebody's psychology. But yeah, right. I mean, no, it's not going to be con- considered uh, the, the sound, right? Right. Knowledge. No, let's take something really safe <laughs> before we get to the so. And this is not endorsing a product, uh, but I think it's recognizable. Drive into a mobile station. What's the sign for mobile gas? Well, I've had a couple over the years, but uh, they had the Pegasus in the past. And it's still there. If you look at most most tanks or most distribution places, it's there. Now, what's Pegasus?
0: Well, it's a, it's a fictional mythological creature. It's a horse with wings. Yes.
1: Sign or symbol? Well, and what element is it, is it a sign, and what element does it move into a symbol? Because it's, there's both. Hmm. <laughs> That's a tough question. I'm gonna. I'm and I want you to mull it. And then there's there's another one again. Gasoline, because we're such a gasoline focused culture. Certainly, we're only you know look what we've done to the planet in 110 years uh, <laughs> because of gasoline, uh, primarily. There, there was uh, you know in the not in the, just in the 60s, but it was really established a higher point advertising-wise way wise in the 60s. There's a star, red star. You can trust your car to the man who wears the star, the big red Texaco star. That was the jingle. Mm-hmm. So you'd see a red star. Aha, Texaco station. Even if I didn't see the Texaco, uh, I know that that's a place where I can go get gasoline and service. In the 50s, 60s, okay. Red stars can mean many things. Yeah. And if you look at, <laughs> well, Soviet. And anyway, um, so Pegasus, flying horse, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, it's nice. They just slapped it on there, right? No. <laughs> People <laughs> in marketing don't just slap Why stuff on Why would we it. associate gasoline with a flying horse?
0: You know, I guess that... the. The assumption might be that it's going to um, provide your your car with some sort of benefit, you
1: know. Mm-hmm. I, you know. Speed, right? Flight, yeah. Go fast, man. Okay, <laughs> fine. But Pegasus was a lot more than that. Pegasus was a really fascinating character in mythology, and, and and again, and many people don't go that far with mythology. But if you look at it and say, oh, okay, there's a lot of associations here. It's a sign for mobile gas, now ExxonMobil, right? But it's a symbol that carries all kinds of latent power that that the advertisers, I'm sure, were probing and, and still do, but that uh, folks who don't necessarily go there, they haven't thought about that. <laughs> Well, Nike. that know some Nike. Right? The, the, the sneakers, goddess of speed. Well, there's a lot of other aspects associated with that goddess that are worth probing into. Hmm. Um, so, sign. So symbols can be reductive, it, reduced into signs and made safe until one starts to think about. It. So, bringing that back to
0: psychoanalysis, um, do you think psychoanalysis is just derived from that human? Need to try to simplify
1: things to make them easier to understand, like we spoke about earlier. Um, no, because to be fair, I think psychoanalytic work is a very deep and complicated science uh, applied. I, I think that it comes from wanting to understand, wanting to help, heal, and balance. Okay, but but yeah, so I don't. But from the so no, I don't think it is. Okay, and and uh, I would
0: I would agree with you, but. I, it's important that we talk about it because we are trying to, well, of course, we're is. trying to get to the bottom of it, find the answers, right? And I think that the primary um, difference between the zodiac and psychoanalysis is that the zodiac is ascribing you characteristics based off of a time frame when you were born, whereas psychoanalysis is more looking at you. One's deductive and one's inductive, right? You know, you're, you're starting with something and then ascribing yeah, that, attributes uh, to uh, it. Uh, whereas uh, in the other, you're doing the opposite. You're yeah. looking at the attributes and then you're you're trying to assign um something you know an, an origin or a reason for it yep. um so there's a methodological um difference um and yeah it's one's definitely more based on science and it you know sure maybe it does you know boil down to simplifying things to make them easier to understand but that's essentially how all human knowledge is
1: yeah, derived
0: you know no, yeah. we have Three pounds of brain matter. We can't possibly expect ourselves to understand the universe and its entire complexity. So we try to make things simple enough for us to at least grasp at generalities
1: about them. Yeah, we build enough of a ladder so we can start to reach up and hope that somebody else is going to put the next rung there. Right, yeah, yeah. I am so chomping on the bit to get to <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for it, Joel. <laughs> so,
0: do you think that we can create meaning without symbolism?
1: No, I don't. Uh, And I'm not just saying that in a flip way, because that's just... uh, When you've gone through the academic life... uh, your initial training and, and so on, all, all the way through, you, you, you come to realize, and I, you don't have to take the academic approach to come to realize this, that without those symbols, again, there's not the communication. So I don't I don't think there's a way in. Hmm. So, all right, and let's relate that
0: back to our, our talk about animals, right? Mm-hmm. So we're thinking that maybe animals don't have symbolism. Maybe they're just able to use um, signage in unique ways. So if that has an effect on meaning, creation of meaning, mm-hmm. then it has a um also an indelible effect on consciousness you think, right? Yes. So symbolism is necessary identifying symbols is could be used as a a metric for identifying consciousness.
1: Mm-hmm. Even identifying signs because you have to be conscious in order to use things
0: right and so now (laughs) so symbolism a hallmark of consciousness Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but symbolism in itself is subjective abstract and conceptual Mm -hmm. what does that say about reality
1: Those same three adjectives. <laughs> it's conceptual, it's abstract. What was the third one? <laughs> yeah. Well, because reality is itself an abstract word that we like to try to make safe and render a single meaning to it, we see. I, I love this because it's pulling us back to all kinds of other strands of conversations. We, we know we've talked about this before too. If if our if our eyes were able to pick up more than just a small spectrum of, of or our ears or the electromagnetic radiation, I wouldn't be looking at your studio. And seeing what I'm seeing, I would be seeing colors and bands and waves, and and that would be that reality. So, the reality is only, is is dependent upon our ability to take in through our very limited senses.
0: Right. Yeah, and uh, one, an interesting article I was just reading recently was that, um, the color yellow itself is a symbol for humans. Mm-hmm. Because humans do not possess the physical structures in our eye to perceive the color yellow. So anytime you see yellow, it's your brain essentially saying, okay, well, there's a gap between this wavelength and this wavelength. <laughs> We're just going to guess this is what it looks like. So,
1: And then Crayola comes along and makes the color with 15 different names.
0: Right. So yellow is just a symbol. There's no... Um, it's not directly relating to something else, so I guess, and I'm going to tie that in with another study that I just read recently. And who knows how they arrived at this number? But essentially, some physicists are saying there's a 50 50 chance we live in a simulation versus the real world, right?
1: Yeah, that, that's become uh, since then the uh, since the early 90s that's become a very strong um, strand uh i i've seen uh, some that say uh, 25% some that say 30% but some are much more yeah so i guess uh, the question then would be
0: how do we so we know we've we've established reality is more fluid than concrete just mm-hmm. now but how do we know something actually exists as opposed to nothing <laughs> you know? Can we How use, in the
1: world did we get all the can way we use,
0: Can we use symbols to, to try to determine that? Or do you think that the very nature of symbols is what creates that uncertainty?
1: That. <laughs> <laughs> as my granddaughter would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, symbols are a way of expressing associations abstract concepts so we can we we use symbols to represent Uh, i don't think symbols themselves are the basis of the knowledge
0: hmm oh that's real interesting (laughs) (laughs) because we need symbols to create meaning right we we talked about that earlier yeah so
1: hmm
0: I'm just trying to I'm trying to figure you're doing out a chicken
1: and egg thing, you?
0: Yeah, are we getting into a circular sort of reasoning or are we ending up with some with some logical
1: right. um, Okay, I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna take something if you say, no, we can't go there, then I'll just stop. Okay. All right. But it's timely, it's it's something that everybody talks about. If I say the word flag, <laughs> I just know that people are hopping to something very specific in their minds. It's a word, right? And and if I say a definite article before it and say the flag, <laughs> what does your head go to? The American flag, right? Okay, because we're Americans. If you say the flag and you're British British, I can't guarantee that though. But I, you know, well, the word the is a definite article, means the one. So that so that means that. All other flags are less than that one. What which means that you prioritize your culture uh, over all others, which also means you only prioritize the people in your culture who assume that same thing about the flag. And if people say they've a flag, then you've got people saying, go live somewhere else because you don't love the country all of that political i just started all of that is bound up in that one word assumptions assertions demands and it's just <laughs> a word
0: yeah <sighs> so extrapolating that out to our bigger conversation right um we have symbols that are culturally based so, if we're looking at humans sharing cultural phenomena based mm-hmm. around sensory information, then we're we're ascribing more weight to our reality than to realities that can be perceived outside of our Absolutely. perceptual experience.
1: Absolutely.
0: But that doesn't invalidate that sort of data, which is where we get into some really strange physics and some really strange… <laughs> issues about what experts are telling us about reality Mm -hmm. you know and that creates problems with people who lack certain amounts of scientific literacy and And, the same way that it creates problems when you put the word the in front of a flag (laughs) or any other number of describing words in front of whatever flag you may be talking about Mm -hmm. and um creates all kinds of issues and i don't want to get i know i don't want to get into it at this point because we're going to do probably a whole nother episode on it plus we're at the end of our time here but (laughs) but yeah oh man that was that was a really good conversation so um i'm looking forward to the next one Um, until next time keep on